Good morning and welcome to Sharper Iron. Spend the next hour with us studying the living and active Word of God, His two-edged sword of law and gospel, recorded for you in Holy Scripture, all about Jesus Christ, crucified, risen, and ascended for you. Thanks for tuning in this morning here on Worldwide KFUO. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. I'm your host, Pastor Timothy Apple of Grace Lutheran Church in Smithville, Texas. Sharper Iron is underwritten by the Lutheran Church Extension Fund, where your investments help support the work of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Visit lcef.org for more information. On this Friday, November 22nd, we are looking at Amos chapter 9, verses 5 and 6. Amos's fifth vision has just declared that the Lord will destroy the idolatrous temple in Bethel and all who have sought false refuge there as well. In today's text, the Lord reminds his people that he does, in fact, have the ability to carry out that judgment. To help us sharpen our faith in Christ as we study God's word today, we have with us regular guest, Pastor Matt Wheatfelt. Pastor Wheatfelt serves as the Director of Admissions and the Director of the Christ Academy Program at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Pastor Wheatfelt, welcome back to Sharper Iron. Thanks, Pastor Oppel. It's great to be with you again. Pastor Wheatfield, how are things at the seminary? What are some of the upcoming events that you all have? Yeah, thanks for asking. So we are currently on our quarter break right now. The seminary here in Fort Wayne does 10-week quarters. So we finished up last week and uh, now have two weeks off for Thanksgiving. And we'll start back up again right uh, before, or right at, right at the uh, Monday, right after Advent starts. Uh, coming up, we've got uh, events coming in uh, February, at the end of February, um, for our Christ Academy Confirmation Retreat. There's information on our website there for that. Then in uh, April, we have uh, the first couple days of April, we have a Prayerfully Consider event coming up. Uh, again, information on our website there. And then our Christ Academy High School event, uh, the last two weeks of June for high school boys and girls interested in learning more about studies at the seminary, whether that be uh, to be pastors for the boys and deaconesses for the girls. Uh, that's, again, the last two weeks in June. Information on the website there. And there is a uh, there is a deadline for uh, registering for that coming up at the end of December for an early bird rate. So uh, tend to that as soon as uh, you or your uh, student is able to. And your website, Pastor Wheatfelt, is... Uh, yeah, that's uh, www.ctsfw, uh, Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, uh, .edu. So that's ctsfw.edu. Or you can call us uh, here at the uh, admissions office at 800-481-2155. Awesome. So, Pastor Wheatfelt, we are looking at Amos chapter 9 this morning couple of verses here in the middle of the chapter. Give us some, some context on the prophet Amos, where we are in, in chapter 9 as we prepare to dig in today. Yeah, so Amos, one of the minor prophets, as he continues to deliver oracles uh, in regard to uh, the children of Israel and their false worship, uh, uh, as, as they continue to fall away from the Lord. It's amazing to watch uh, as the prophets lay out the love of the Lord over against that of the the hard heartedness, the uh, the rebelling of uh, the children of Israel, and so uh, we've got we've got uh, 
all sorts of uh, wonderful things happening throughout uh, the, the, the this whole uh, prophecy, uh, the whole book of Amos with uh, judgments starting off uh, the, the whole of what, what Amos is doing, judgments against folks like Syria and Philistia, and uh, ultimately then working down into uh, judgments against Judah and Israel itself. And uh, the Lord then making declarations, and, uh, and then we find ourselves uh, working through then uh, at the end of Amos uh, 7 through Nine. Then we see the Lord working, or Amos sh seeing visions of what is to come, and uh, how exactly uh, the Lord's going to work all things for His good for His people. Uh, as the Lord continues to love His people, although uh, their hearts continue to turn away from Him, and uh, especially in their actions, uh, they continue to, to to worship false gods, and they continue to. Uh, to, to, to shrug away the command of the Lord and uh, they for continue to forget who he made them to be and how he showed himself to them, not just through uh, their desert wanderings, but especially as he builds a covenant with them. First in the words of the Ten Commandments, uh, as he highlights their relationship together, but then as he actually uh, creates a covenant between him and the people and uh, does that through the, through the shedding of blood and then continues that uh, as they first worship him in the tabernacle and later in the temple. So lots of, lots of great things. Amos is, Amos is a, uh, it was fun kind of working through uh, the verses for today just to get some, uh, to get some context because you don't work through Amos as much as one should. So I, I appreciate being able to, to hammer through that today. Yeah, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of good stuff in Amos. I think you, you said wonderful things in Amos. And and I know from from talking to some of the listeners here locally that, that some of them are, are questioning how wonderful Amos really yeah. is in the sense. That, I mean, there's there's so much judgment. Right. And, and we're in the midst of that right here. The, the fifth vision right before this is just, you know, here's the Lord standing by the altar of Bethel preparing to destroy it. Uh, chapter mm -hmm. eight as well was just, I mean, just, just really hard to listen to when you think about what does it mean to have a famine of God's word. And, and here today we're going to see the Lord with his almighty power and, and still in that context of judgment. How often do we think of God's almighty power? I mean, you know, we've, we've been looking at this in adult Bible class recently. You come across the verses um, in Luke where, where Jesus says with, with man, nothing or with man, it is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible. Right. And, and you think about God's almighty power in that sense as a good thing. That's how we often consider it as Christians. But what we were seeing in Amos is that that same almighty power, he can turn in judgment against those who have continually refused to listen. And I, I love how you brought out the, the Exodus background because Amos really does that throughout his book. He's got that in mind. And to, to recall the grace that his people have forsaken is just a, a very tragic thing. And, and so I mean, Amos, Amos really is, is pulling out all, all the stops here to get the people to repent. By the time you get to chapter nine, things seem very bleak. The end is here. As you pointed out, we're going to get some gospel <laughs> at the end of the book, but, but right now we're still in the middle of, of that judgment. Uh, and so we've got these two verses for us here, Pastor Wheatfeld, verses nine and, or excuse me, chapter nine, verses five and six. 
And and before we take a look at him, you, you mentioned in your notes here that this is an eschatological passage, which is a, a pretty big word. Maybe maybe we use it sometimes as, as pastors for our people. What what do you mean by that, that this is an eschatological passage? Yeah, so when we talk about eschatology, we're talking about the end times and how the Lord uh, through uh, through through the text, but also in the person of his son, Jesus, prepares us for the end times. We know that uh, this world cannot and it cannot continue because even uh, e- even in uh, the fall, the the whole of the world falls. And so the Lord promises to bring all things into newness and into uh, to 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 create all things new. And so um, as as we can as we kind of press forward with that as a frame of reference, um, we we also we know that the Lord um, will make all things new, but we still live in a time in between the ascension of Jesus and a time when um, the Lord is going to come again. We've got that as a promise as well, that the Lord is going to come again and he's going to make division uh, between those who believe and those who don't believe and they go to their own places. And uh, in that, uh, there's great comfort knowing that it is Christ who is the one who is going to stand before us as uh, the Lord makes his judgment, that the that the works, our own works are not what the Lord sees, but the Lord sees the works of his son uh, for us and for on our behalf. And so um, as Christians, we also uh, realize that we live in a in a time period um, where the fullness of what the Lord has given to us in his death and resurrection is ours. But the, the, the we have not seen it in its completest form. That is, he hasn't made all things new. And in so that way, uh, in that way, we live in a time that is now, but not yet. A time that the, the Lord has given uh, all things to us in the forgiveness of our sins and the promise of everlasting life. But that promise hasn't met its full fruition uh, and it will meet its full fruition on the last day when the Lord comes again. And so where the Jesus's death on the cross and his resurrection for us is ours, we see uh, we, we we don't have that completeness. Uh, we still live in a sinful world. We still sin ourselves, uh, but we know we have the forgiveness. We have Jesus's forgiveness, and that is what we look forward to. Uh, that the final day uh, when the Lord will take us to our home in heaven. Um, but we still, uh, even though we still in these days live uh, in in a sinful world and sin ourselves, we know that this is not the end. There is a final end that we will meet, and we will meet it with gladness, whereas those who uh, do not believe and who do not have the promise uh, meet it with fear and trepidation. So that's, yeah, so that's, was, that's, that's eschatology. Okay, so yeah, so we're talking end times here. And and even as we see these events in time, right? I mean, what, what happens to the people of Israel in, in 722 BC is the Assyrian nation comes and wipes them out. And and much of what the Lord is talking about in the book of Amos here applies to that, but not just that. When we see these events happen in time, 
our minds should go to that last day when Christ returns. And, and we recall that the only thing that stands on that day will be, will be Christ and those who are in him. And so these, these oracles of judgment that we've got here in Amos need to point us forward to that last day. We've talked about this other, other times when it comes to this matter of the day of the Lord and how we see that fulfilled come early in Christ, in his, in his death and his resurrection. And that gives us hope as we look forward to that last day, knowing that the judgment that is coming has been already poured out upon Christ. And for those who are in him, we've gone through that judgment into life already so that when that last day comes, we have, we have hope. We look forward to that day, not because of what we've done, but because of what Christ has done for us. And so this, this passage, much of the book of Amos, invites us to look forward to that day of the Lord when he returns. So, Pastor Weefit, let's go ahead and, and take a look at the text before us today. Again, we're in Amos chapter 9, verses 5 and 6. The Lord God of hosts, he who touches the earth and it melts, and all who dwell in it mourn, and all of it rises like the Nile and sinks again like the Nile of Egypt, who builds his upper chambers in the heavens and founds his vault upon the earth, who calls for the waters of the sea and pours them out upon the surface of the earth, the Lord is his name. There is the text that we've got before us, just those two verses today. But we've seen things like this in Amos before, Pastor Wheatfelt. There are these creational hymns, some have called them, within the book of Amos. And this is the, the last one. Take us into that, that overall arching, overarching theme of the book of Amos. Yeah, so the book of Amos uh, deals with really three, um, some would call them hymns. Um, one commentator deals with them in the way of doxologies, that's praises or hymns of praise uh, to to the Lord. Uh, in Amos 4, 13, Amos 5, 8, and 9, and now here in uh, Amos 9 through uh, sorry, yeah, nine, five through six. And so these, these creation hymns look at the Lord in regard to uh, him being the creator, uh, his uh, eminent power that we see first in, in Genesis, but then as he, uh, he, he does his continuing work of creation through people through things uh, as we continue to bring life into this world it's not our power but it's by the power of the lord who continues to uh create through us and uh, even even in one can argue even in uh you know industry and technology things like that when it when the god when that these things are done in a godly way um you know, the Lord can, it's the Lord who's giving us the power to do them. He's given us the, in, the intuition, the, uh, the, and then the brains to, to be able to do these things. But it's the Lord uh, who, who, who is the creator, uh, in, in, uh, these hymns. And it's, it shows his creative power and how he is the one who is ultimately the creator of all things and the one who sustains all things as well. And, uh, 
the the twist in this one is that it also uh, as he is the one who has brought life into this world he is also the one who is able to bring life out of this world uh and in in his righteousness and his justice uh that he, he is able to also show his destructive power so when we go through the text and we see the rising of uh or the, the melting of the earth uh, in his touching of it and the rising of the Nile and uh, things like that, we we'll, we see you know the the in that creative power there's also a power to enact justice on the evil things of this world and in that it's it's destructive and uh, it, it, in order to right the wrongs of this world and and to to uh, show his to show not just his power in the sense of I'm bigger than you, but his loving kindness in his power. That is, uh, I'm doing, I do this for your good, for to show you who is your God and to call you as in all people to be my, to be my holy people. And uh, so the, the, the couple, couple, uh, couple things in regard to how these hymns work together are uh, both uh, in it, it as as the Lord shows us his creative power he's also showing us that he is powerful over all things hmm. one one of the things I think you're you're bringing out here that I'd like to dig a little bit into is that this this matter of the Lord's destructive power which I think scares us and, and rightly so but I, I think what, I, what I'm hearing you saying is that when the Lord exercises this destructive power, he's still doing it for his purposes of justice and righteousness. Those have been two big terms for the prophet Amos and indeed for the whole Old Testament. So can you, can you dig into that a little bit more, Pastor felt how the Lord's destructive power or the Lord's uh, punishment, you might say, is still working for righteous and justice? How does that, how does that work? Yeah, so when the Lord acts according to righteousness and justice, uh, the, the Lord is, is, is ultimately the only one who can truly be righteous or make the judgment on what is righteous. And he is the only one that can truly be just and make judgment on uh, what is just. We make our basis, um, our decision on righteousness and justice based off of him and our experience, uh, our experiencing him through 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 the holy scripture, through through experience in this world. And so when he acts, he weighs out uh, what exactly is righteousness and what is justice? And um, in many times, I mean, we 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 the righteousness is simply uh, declaring what is good uh, in in the sight of the Lord. Justice is is the making of of of, of good and weighing out good versus evil, and allowing for that good to continue to flourish and punishing uh, then uh, the, the the evil in its place. And and so the Lord is the only one that really can 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 uh, make those things known and we know those through him and so um as as he continues to share with us that through this these texts i mean it, sh it they should give us some bit of trepidation um because we know who we are we know that we're sinners and in our own uh in, in our own way and if we were to be left to our own devices 
we would choose only to to sin and to be part of sin. And it, we, if we know that our God is a God who is truly righteous and truly just, we know the punishment that we deserve is uh, to receive only his wrath, to be called bad. But thanks be to God that through Christ Jesus, we don't experience God's uh, God's right, righteousness and justice against us, we receive his, really his mercy and his grace, withholding the things that we do deserve and giving us things that we don't deserve. And what we don't deserve is to be called righteous in the sight of the Lord. And we're not called righteous, again, because of our work, but because of Christ's work. And we are not, uh, we, we don't, we should not uh, be called just, but that is exactly what we are called because of the work of Jesus. And so it's this great dichotomy between the two that, you know, what are the things that we deserve? We deserve wrath and judgment, but we get mercy and grace. We get to be called righteous and the sons of the of, of righteousness. And we, we are called just uh, as and uh, because our the justifier is Jesus, and uh, that might be uh, that is exactly what he uh, he he gives to us. So it's uh, it, it, those are those are some thoughts in regard to you know the the righteousness and the justice of our Lord and how he he shows them and shares them with us. Right. So that for the Lord to be righteous and just means that he he must punish unrighteousness and injustice. He must punish evil. Those those things go together. And so when we hear him talk like this, we shouldn't be surprised to see him punishing evil and injustice and unrighteousness and idolatry. All of the things that he's been talking to his people about through the book of Amos, we shouldn't be surprised at that. And and you're exactly right that what should fill us with a bit of trepidation is the fact that we recognize that on our own, we are unrighteous. We are evil. We are sinners. And so we know what God should rightly do to us. The great news is that he pours that wrath, that punishment out upon his son, Jesus. All of all of this that we're, we're going to see today, this, this touching the earth and it melting and the, the power of God to punish evil, that's going to be poured out upon his son on the cross so that you and I and all who are in him are, are actually called just and righteous according to the Lord's word. And because he speaks it, it is so. And I mean, it's just... So that that punishment, that that justice of the Lord to to end evil, we we don't need to be afraid of it in the sense that we should avoid it or try to deny that it's there. We need to recognize that it's true, and then find refuge in Christ alone, because that's where the justice of God has been poured out, not upon us, but upon someone else in our place. And in that way, this this talk of, of God as, as one who, who punishes the destructive power of God becomes something that we ultimately need <laughs> because we need God to defeat the evil inside of us. We need him to, to defeat our sin because we can't do it. And if left to our own devices, we would just be lost in, in condemnation forever. Uh, further comments, Pastor Weasel? Yeah, absolutely. If we were left to our own devices, we would just live in the cycle and the circle of sin. And we'd, it, it would just be, it would repeat and repeat and repeat and repeat and repeat. But because of Christ, 
he's broken that cycle. He's broken that uh, in himself. He's 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 shoved you know himself as to as a wedge between us and sin to destroy that uh, that, that vicious cycle. And uh, it, it's because of his. In, in many, uh, you know, using a different word, disruptive power now um, to uh, disrupt sin in our lives. He destroys the evil one. He destroys the destroyer. And he gives to us instead, uh, out of the chaos that the devil would like to insert into our lives, the sin, death, and hell, he instead now gives the promise of life, he gives forgiveness, and he gives the promise of heaven. Uh, he gives the things that are his to us. So his destructive uh, power uh, breaks that the, the cycle, the circle of sin, and his uh, disruptive power, and he now enters, he invades, in a sense, our world. And I can talk more about that mm-hmm. uh, as we get into uh, kind of the at the end with some uh, end times eschatological stuff. That sounds great, Pastor Wheatfelt. We'll we'll pick those themes up on the other side of the break. You're listening to Sharper Iron here on Worldwide KFU. Looking at Amos chapter 9, verses 5 through 6 this morning. We're going to take a short break right now, but we will be right back. Please stick around. November 22nd, 2019, KFUO Radio thanks our day sponsors, Albert and Rebecca Hobrach of Kerrville, Texas, as they give thanks to the Lord for the blessing of family. Albert and Rebecca made a gift to KFUO Radio in loving memory of Rebecca's father, Reverend Otto H. Kretschmann, who is in his heavenly home with the Lord. Thank you, Albert and Rebecca Hobrach, for helping us share the gospel and for being today's KFUO Day Sponsors. The Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, on behalf of Concordia Plan Services, Lutheran Housing Support Corporation, Concordia University System, Lutheran Church Extension Fund, the LCMS Foundation, and Corporate Synod, daily reaches out to our members and partners, working together to support our local, global, and international ministries, church workers, and LCMS initiatives at large to carry the mission forward and to serve each other in love. Opportunities to serve, lcms.org careers. What's the value of memorizing hymns? Friday on Issues Etc., we'll continue our conversation on hymns in Christian devotion with Pastor Timothy Shoup, author of our Book of the Month for November, Praise and Honor Hymn-Inspired Devotions. It's also This Week in Pop Christianity with Chris Rosebro, and we'll play Issues Etc. Soundbite of the Week. Issues Etc., live weekday afternoons from 3 to 5 on KFUO. Hi, I'm Pastor Mark Hawkinson. You know, life is a potpourri of good experiences and really tough challenges. Through all those times you need, and so do I, the Lord's precious word and sacred music to get you through. That's what you get when you tune in to Moments of Assurance, Christ-centered songs, scripture, news items, trivia, humor, you name it. So tune in. You'll be richer for it over the noontime hour here on Worldwide KFUO. Moments of Assurance is underwritten by Mid-American Coaches. 
Welcome back to Sharper Iron on this Friday, November 22nd. We are studying Amos chapter 9, verses 5 through 6 with Pastor Matt Wheatfelt, the Director of Admissions and the Christ Academy Program at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Pastor Wheatfelt, prior to the break, we'd been discussing the justice and righteousness of God to destroy our evil and sin for us, for our good. As we continue to look at this text here from Amos, one of the the themes that I think it brings out, and this is especially true. We, we may kind of just jump around between both verses here this morning. So it's, but especially comes, comes through in verse six, where you've got this, this matter that the Lord says he builds his upper chambers in the heavens. He founds his vault upon the earth. The picture there is, is where the Lord is dwelling and he dwells in the heavens. And, and yet he also comes to dwell upon the earth so, so we're thinking presence of the Lord, tabernacle, temple language. How do we see that here in, in verses 5 and 6 of Amos 9? Yeah, so the Lord, I, I, love, how he, I love how he does this. He, the Lord is a Lord that does not desire to be alone. And he does not desire to be away from that which he has created. And where he builds in the heavens, his presence is there. But he also founds his vault, uh, uh, that is what the text says in 6, on the earth as well. The Lord is a Lord that does not want to be away from his creation. And so we see that as he uh, creates Adam and then Eve out of Adam, we see that the Lord is still dwelling with them. Uh, It isn't until the fall into sin that there is a separation between the Lord and Adam and Eve. Uh, he once he creates them, he doesn't just go off into heaven and say, um, you know, you guys figure this out. I, I don't want to be with you anymore. No, he he chooses to continue to dwell with his people and to continue to be with them. And he does this. He this this is a this is his longing desire throughout the whole of the Old Testament and why the person of Jesus comes to into the flesh and we'll get to that in just a little bit but first the 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 lord dwells with adam and eve physically he he, he's there with them dwelling with them prior to the fall and then uh in order to continue to dwell with them to be with them the lord creates um himself then the covenantal um sacrificial system uh that is first uh, used to cover Adam and Eve's nakedness, their sin and shame, but then later is uh, used as the the way in which man receives forgiveness from the Lord. And so we see that then with the children uh, of Israel, as Moses walks with them, as they as they are reminded again that they are the people of God. Uh, they are reminded through. Uh, and that relationship is set up formally through the Ten Commandments, the Ten Words that that talk about the relationship between God and his people, who God is and who his people are and how the two of them, how these two groups are to relate to each other and how they work with each other. And then also uh, it, there, there's the, the sacrificial system that is set up also where uh, the people sin. And so how do the people receive forgiveness? They make sacrifice for that forgiveness. And that's 
then ultimately for the children as they wander, seen at its fullness in the building of the tabernacle, that the moving tent where the Lord's presence is, and uh, in the the Ark of the Covenant as well, uh, so that when the people are moving and moving towards uh, the promised land, God is with them, and they know God is with them because he is there in his tabernacle uh and and he is there as the uh in the ark uh as the people move forward into the the land the lord has promised them and then when the people get in finally into that promised land and settle um through david solomon the the temple then where the presence of the lord permanently is to be or will be um in a permanent structure is then built and uh they continue to 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 build it, and ultimately, then the name of the Lord in uh, it's, I can't remember if it's First Kings or Second Kings. The name of the Lord is placed on that uh, on the temple, and in the placing of the names Lord, uh, the name of the Lord on the temple, we know that, and the children of Israel know that because His name is there. There He is for His people. And so they go through uh, this life uh, as as the children of Israel and fall away and get taken into captivity and uh, but continue to uh, the Lord continues to give his good gifts to uh, his children and continues to care for them and share with them and give them his forgiveness. And we see the full the full culmination of that then as we are the as we are the Lord's New Testament people. Uh, people who have been washed in the blood of Jesus, who is Emmanuel, God with us. Uh, he has come into the flesh in order to forgive his people, to be the final and fullest sacrifice for the forgiveness of all of our sins, and to be with us, to actually dwell with us, and to continue that being with us and dwelling with us. He gives to us his word that shows us who he is and is him himself. And as he has shown us through Old Testament and New Testament, that the word of the Lord is uh, that is Jesus, and it's 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 continued on and on. But he also he also gives us his sacraments, as first with baptism to wash us, uh, for to wash us and to make us his children. But then in the Lord's Supper to continue to give us his body and blood for the forgiveness of our sins and where his body and blood is there he is also dwelling with his people as he continues to forgive us in that so the the presence of the lord is a is a big deal thing and it's not a presence that ends at the fall it's not a presence that ends with the children of israel it's a presence that is here today with us because the lord is with us and he continues to give to us his forgiveness that he won for us on the cross through his being present with us i i think one of the things that we've seen in the book of amos is that the lord's the lord's presence is he intends it to be a gracious thing, but when it is not received in faith, his presence becomes a terrifying thing. And, and I think I think what as you as you're talking there through the the tabernacle, well, even even going back to the garden and the tabernacle and the temple, what what changes God's presence from a terrifying thing to a gracious thing 
is the sacrifice that he makes for sin. So in the garden, you've got the the animals that are sacrificed to cover Adam and Eve with the tabernacle, the temple. You've got the entire sacrificial system. This is there so that God's presence will come to his people, not to destroy them, but to save them. And, and you brought up the name of God as well, how God's name comes again to, to bless us. But the people of Israel, and we've seen this in several episodes, the people of Israel have been misusing God's name. They've been they've been taking it in vain. They think that that they can receive all of these blessings from God apart from faith in Him. That they can misuse and abuse their neighbors. That they can worship idolatry. Just go through the motions. And so they've they've been using God's name in vain. And what they're finding out is that God then is is actually present for them in in these terrifying ways, as we've seen. But that's not what God desires. God desires to be present, to dwell among us for our benefit, for our good. And that can only happen when we receive that that sacrifice that he's made. And for, for you and me today, that comes through his son, Jesus Christ, who made that once for all sacrifice for sin on the cross and now delivers the fruits of that sacrifice to us in word and in sacrament. As you said, he, he puts his name on us for blessing in holy baptism. He gives us the fruit of that sacrifice, his own body and blood now in, in the Holy Supper. And so, I mean, to see these these themes carry through Amos and then into the, the present is just wonderful to see how, how God dwells with us. He desires that to be for our good. That's, that's what he's constantly working toward in the Old Testament. That's what he's still working towards for us today, and, and as you pointed out for us already, we, we need to, to think, too, when he brings it to its full completion, where faith becomes sight, when we dwell with him forever on the last day and, and thereafter in the eternal day. Uh, so, so, Pastor Wheatfeld, but just to, to keep, us, keep us, feel free to comment on that if you want more, but also to keep us moving. Another, because I want to make sure we get to, to all that you got here, because there's a lot of good stuff. Another of the themes that we see here in, in these two verses is, and this this doesn't surprise us, I think, is this idea of, of water comes up again. And, and particularly, it's, it's destructive power, but also as we think, I mean, we've been talking about baptism, so there's also a saving power. How do we see the, the theme of water come up in these verses, and, and what do we do with that scripturally? Absolutely. So in, in regard to water, water... there's a water motif throughout the whole of scripture that water is something that is used over and over and over again um, in, in both uh, ways of, of of the gospel that is saving, but there's also, um, and I think even going back to that kind of like presence of the Lord, there's a, there's a law way of it too. Whereas we, as his people um, receive the, gospel way of whether it be his presence or the or the law or sorry the presence or water whereas the world sees only the destructive power the law the law side of both his uh, presence and his and when water through uh, as as it is received so i mean you, you think of you think of different uh, things in regard to uh, water motifs in scripture you think of noah's ark uh, where the lord um you know it, it, noah and his family uh, eight souls and all are saved uh, the, the the they receive they've received what the lord gives um in his word it is pr- 
promise uh, in the in, uh, as gospel, whereas the rest of the world receives it as law. They're drowned. They are literally they were literally killed with the destructive power of water. Uh, oh, and this, you know, you think think of the the Nile River. Uh, uh, we will have that here in a little bit as well. But uh, in in um, in the Exodus. Uh, Many, all of the different things that are happening to the Egyptians are happening um, in, in many ways via the Nile River, which is for them, their lifeblood. And for them, uh, what, where their gods give them their, give them gifts. Uh, but the Lord changes these, uh, changes what they perceive as gift um, and uh, what they believe their their gods are giving and they he gives them according to the law in the plagues he takes uh, he takes what is uh, what what they had thought was a good thing and he turns it uh, against them uh, to and including using some of the uh, some some of the different uh, ideas that they have for their gods. Uh, whether it be frogs or locusts or what have you, uh, using them against them. It's really, it's, it's, if, you, if you dive it deeper into uh, the meanings behind each of the plagues in regard to um, the gods of Egypt, it's kind of, it's kind of fascinating what the Lord, how the Lord uh, kills their idolatry uh, in, in that. So, or uses their idolatry in, uh, against them. But um, so uh, to, to different kind of themes here in Amos, uh, we see uh, in, in verse 5 where the lord touches uh the earth and it melts uh in in the way the, uh, this kind of melting uh motif is used uh melting word is used in the water motif oftentimes in regard to um i think in the way of the gospel melting the hard heartedness of people melting the heart uh, that is taking unfaith and turning it into faith whereas in the way of the law um, the Psalms use this, uh, it, 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 I think even looking eschatologically, looking to the end times where the Lord melts the earth uh, or melts different things on, of the earth in the way of the law that is destroys them. Whereas when he melts the heart of individuals, he's not destroying them. He might be destroying the sin in them, uh, but he is get, truly giving life and giving hope and giving salvation. The same goes with uh, the Nile. Uh, he he used the Nile for against the Egyptians, uh, but he uses it for the children of Israel. And uh, I just think that's absolutely brilliant. I talked more about it just earlier. Uh, he and then again in in six he uses uh, for the phrase who calls from the waters of the sea and how he he calls us from the waters or through the waters in baptism and and continues to give his life and his salvation through water so in that way that power is not destructive that way the the the, the power of water is salvific and it gives salvation to those who believe and trust in his promises and uh, again then as he pours out pours these waters out over the surface of of the earth in the flood that was to kill uh, the evil of the world for us it is to separate us to separate us like he separated Moses or Noah excuse me and his family from the rest of the unbelieving world to save them and to give them uh, the hope of life and salvation and he 
does that for them. So this water motif is a, is law to the unbelieving, gospel to the believing, and uh, death to the unbelieving, life giving to to the believing. So it, it just think it's cool how the Lord continues to use water both in the Old Testament and the New Testament in, in that way. Yeah, the, to see that theme stretching through the scriptures is a, a wonderful connection to make, and I really you know, helps us as we think about what holy baptism is for us to, to understand all that's happening there in that water and word, you know, I mean, the, the catechism, what benefits does it, does it give? It, it works forgiveness of sins, rescues from death and the devil and gives eternal salvation to all those who believe this. I mean, that's, that's a wonderful thing to, to memorize and, and, and we should memorize it, but to, to put into that explanation, all of these salvific events of the scriptures, that what happens to me in baptism is the same thing that happened to Noah and his family in the ark. It's the same thing that happened to the, the children of Israel when they walked through the Red Sea. That just, mm-hmm. and that really makes that moment in church, which, which just looks like a cute photo opportunity. Maybe it, it changes that into something that's life-changing and and world-changing, in fact, because that's the very creator of all things coming to this person and and only touching, right? He who who touches the earth, it just takes the touch of the Lord to do all these things. And and with that simple touch, he he takes a sinner bound for the the kingdom of the devil and and makes that sinner his own child and transfers that sinner into the, the kingdom of his beloved son. What what an amazing thing that happens in that water and word of baptism. It, it's just it's just astounding to to stop and think about it and marvel at all the Lord is is doing. So, Absolutely. so Pastor, such simple and yeah such simple things water and a touch Water, word, and the touch of the Lord, the presence of the Lord, does such great and amazing things in the life of the Christian. And how in that, in that simple touch, there is, uh, there is such great power to be saved. And salvation comes to us in, that, in, in the simplest of things, in the simplest of, 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 of things that we are that are almost so that are so simple they're almost mundane uh, in water and a word and but that's the way the lord works the war, lord works through those simple things that he uh, when he attaches his word to water there is life and salvation when he attaches his word to bread and to wine there is forgiveness of sins because he takes the simplest and the most common things and he changes them for the for for his people and for uh, the, the the salvation of his people so that we may uh, be given uh, the hope of everlasting life and not just the hope of that the 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 assurance of that that he who has ascended into the heavens will come again um, out of those heavens in order to bring us to him and to sit at the, the at his right right at his right hand uh, in his glory pastor we felt at the beginning of the program we were talking about the end times and you mentioned there was there's more that we can talk about there and as, so as we kind of bring the the program full circle this morning help us again to think about the end of the church here and the the end of all times the last day the, the eternal day that awaits us uh, as christians as, as we think about this text from amos 9 
Yeah. So as we as we come to the end of another church year, I always I love these these last Sundays of the church year from from really all when we observed all saints on the third or most congregations or congregations could have observed uh, all saints on the third. These last three Sundays, the 10th, 17th, and now uh, this coming Sunday on the 24th with the last Sunday of the church year. Uh it's a great time to examine, you know, what does the end of the, what does the end of the church year reflect? It reflects uh, the end of all time. So this Sunday, you you, you most you might hear uh, the bri- uh, of of the uh, the ver- the wise and foolish virgin virgins uh, reading, and you might sing the hymn uh, "Wake, awake, for night is flying." Uh, these prepare us; they get us focused. And get us thinking not just about the end of another church year. Not not let, we don't celebrate the end of the church year as we celebrate the end of a, a year where we where we we see a ball drop, uh, count down to the end, and 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 you know and 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 you know look forward to the new uh, as if uh, you know it's it, all things are going to be new. No, we look we the end of the church year reminds us about the end of all time and how the Lord who has forgiven you of your sins will bring that to its fullness at the end of time. When he will come again, he will bring him, his people to himself and he will give us a true, not just a, not just a newness that has to be repeated year after year, but a newness for all time in the new creation where he will make us new in order to dwell in heaven and to uh, continue to be with him at his nearer presence. So the, I, the end of the church year is always just a, is a wonderful time um, for, I, I appreciate being able to think towards being in the Lord's nearer presence to continue to pray uh, as the church prays, uh, the uh, the word Maranatha or come soon, Lord Jesus, and uh, uh, that that the Lord would come because we know that you know even though the the world will meet these days in fear and trepidation, we will receive these days in joy and gladness because we know where our hope is and who our hope is in and uh, how the Lord continues to promise and not just a promise but to keep his promises hmm. so pastor we feel with about three minutes left here on the morning then with all those thoughts of the end of the church here how does this text from amos and really the whole book of amos assist us in that task of awaiting our lord to come and, and praying come lord jesus the the lord uh is a lord who wishes to be present with his people and he is in in creation he is present uh with his people as he uh, in adam and eve as he first creates them in order to uh give them life uh, it, it, but not life that is a, a self-serving life a life that is in service to the lord and in service to each other and in the fall to sin the lord's desire is to continue to be with his people 
And he does that as through the course of history as, as he continues to uh, help them and to forgive them of their sins. And so the Lord's goal ultimately is in the reconciliation, the, the righting of wrongs, the removing of the wedge between uh, God and humanity that is sin. And so in that he he chooses to forgive us and to give us life and salvation in that and uh our our prayer is that the lord who uh, continues to give to us uh life and salvation would too would also um you know reconcile us he uses um the means he uses the means of his presence in the tabernacle in the temple and that ultimately comes then in the person of Jesus Christ who forgives us who gives us life who gives us salvation and who ultimately brings us into the near presence of the Lord on that last day, which we in these late in these last Sundays of the church year now are preparing ourselves for to uh, and, 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 and in a way uh, preparing ourselves for Advent to as we look forward to a new church year where we continue to prepare ourselves for the coming of Jesus at Christmas. So the life of the Christian is a life of preparation. It's a life of of, of preparation waiting for the end days. It's a life of preparation uh, as we share the good news of the Lord with all people and with those who are with us uh, here in this place, but then also throughout the world. Uh, so the life of the Christian is the life of preparation. And uh, we, we prepare ourselves and we prepare others for the coming of the Lord at that last day. Pastor Matt Wheatfelt is the Director of Admissions and the, and the Director of the Christ Academy Program at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana, helping us this morning with Amos chapter 9, verses 5 through 6. Pastor Wheatfelt, thank you for your time today. Hey, thank you. It's been a pleasure chatting through Amos 9. The Lord is the creator of all things. He holds all power. He works righteousness and justice, which means that he also punishes evil. And we need him to do that for us. We cannot fight the sin that exists within us or the evil that would attack us. So the Lord does that for us. He punishes evil and sin in his son, Jesus Christ, who took our sins upon himself and now gives us the victory as we are baptized into him, as we receive his body and blood in holy communion. That is what prepares us for that last day. Even as we pray right now, come Lord Jesus, come quickly. I'm your host here on Sharper Iron, Pastor Timothy Apple of Grace Lutheran Church in Smithville, Texas. Thanks for spending the morning with us. Talk to you again next week.